Hi, I'm Ted Michaels in for Scott Thompson. He gets the Christmas week off. I don't, but joining us, you will hear on the podcast, we'll talk about a lot of stuff for 2021. Financial wellness, physical wellness, mental wellness. It's all right here, right now. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Well, good afternoon, belated uh, Merry Christmas and an early Happy New Year. Ted Michaels in for Scott Thompson. As we uh, look at things uh, to do in the upcoming uh, months and getting through this pandemic (laughs) and basically saying goodbye to 2020 because God knows we all want to say people are going to stay up now just to say goodbye to the year. Never mind the new year, just to say goodbye to the old one. One of the things we have to talk about as we head into the new year is how to take control of your personal finances as we get into the new year. And joining us to talk about this is, you've heard him on the air, Doug Hoyes uh, from co-founder of Hoyes, Michaelis and Associates, and he is joining us to talk about personal finances. Doug, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Ted. So let's first of all, one of the things, Doug, that really jumped out at me is, and this is scary, in the first eight or the eight months prior to the lockdown, Canadians were under debt loads that had been rising for years. That's almost like a silent alarm that many, is it fair to say, Doug, people weren't aware of? Yeah, because debt is something that creeps up on you, right? I mean, it goes up a little bit, a little bit each month, a little bit. You don't really realize how big it's gotten. And a lot of that debt has come in the form of things like mortgages and home equity lines of credit because as real estate increased, well, we were able to take on higher mortgages. Interest rates have been lower, so we've been able to make the payments. So it's kind of been not completely noticeable to a lot of people. Now, of course, things like credit card debt has, you know, is also continuing to increase, so that's a little bit more noticeable. But yeah, I think uh, a lot of people perhaps aren't aware of how much debt has increased. One of the things that jumps out on me, and I love uh, a segment like this because we can crunch a whole lot of figures and numbers, um, and this one surprised me only because maybe my wife and I do a real good job of not spending money that we don't have, but but the, uh, there is a report that the average consumer owned almost $30,000 in non-mortgage debt. You pay your mortgage, that's one thing, but $30,000 in non-mortgage debt? Doug, i got to be honest, that one surprised me a little bit. Well, and again, if you are spending more than you have, then that's where that debt that, that, that comes up. And so now, non-mortgage debt, what, what are big numbers? Well, things like car loans, obviously, are, right. are non-mortgage debt. So, okay, that doesn't really surprise people. If I bought a car, I, I have a, a car loan against it. But we've all, you know, also there are things like um, you know, lines of credit, credit cards, installment loans, and each of those has a higher interest rate than, than the previous one. Those are the ones you've got to worry the most about. If you've got a mortgage, okay, the interest rate is low. If your house price is going up, maybe it's not that big a deal. But if you owe money on things like credit cards or high-interest installment loans, now you've got a real problem because you may not have anything to show for it, like a car or a house, and your monthly payments are huge. That's that's certainly a big warning sign. Now, um, a lot of people, Doug, are getting uh, support from the government, uh, you know, the SERB program and what have you. But talk about the effects that that would have on people's income, because obviously that, that SERB payment from the government is not going to last forever. 
Right. And so obviously that was something that helped a huge number of people. Almost 9 million Canadians received the CERB during the period that it was was active. And of course, now it's been replaced by the CRB, which is a, a segment of EI, so employment insurance, and that's going to last for a while longer yet. And so you're right, that really helped. I mean, if the, if the economy is in lockdown and you can't work, you kind of have to do something. So I think we all agree the government had to do something to, to help support people. And obviously, we're in lockdown now. We're hoping that at some point in 2021, that, that eases up. But yes, that was certainly a, a big support that may not be there in the future. So what you want to do as a an individual is say, okay, what did my income look like in 2020? What is it going to look like in 2021? Am I going to be back to work? Am I back to work now? For some people, it's not affected. If you were getting a pension before, you're still getting a pension now. It's it's not a big deal. The thing I worry about a lot with the CERB is that it is taxable. And so unlike the paycheck you get at work, where they take off taxes and CPP and EI and all that kind of stuff, with CERB, there was no tax taken off, but it's taxable. So when you go to file your taxes in February or March or April, whenever it is next year, there will be a line that says, here's all the CERB I got. And for some people, it was many thousands of dollars that they haven't paid tax on yet that they will have to pay tax on next year. So that's something people are going to have to start thinking towards and, and budgeting for. Now, let's talk about um, the R word, because there was talk, Doug, before all this happened that we were heading into, I don't know if you want to call it a, a market correction, as uh, as you financial people like to do, but were we heading into a recession or at least a little bit of that before all this uh, pandemic stuff hit us in um, February and March of, of this past year? Well, maybe we were, maybe we weren't. I guess it's kind of irrelevant now because, hey, yep. we're certainly in something now. Yep. Like yep. There, There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you define a recession as things going down, economic activity going down, well, it certainly did when you're in lockdown, obviously, then then things are a lot slower. So, yeah, there's, there's no doubt we're in a, a recession. You can call it a depression, call it whatever you want. This is a bit of an unusual one, though, because it's not caused by the normal things that, that cause a recession. Obviously, the, the economy across the world shut down. But, yeah, there's, there's no doubt we're in it. And I don't think anyone has any accurate guesses as to when it's going to end and what the impact will be when it ends. I mean, we know it's going to end. The vaccine will get rolled out. We will eventually conquer this virus because we human beings have conquered everything else. Nothing has defeated us yet. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we're going to beat this. But when are we all going to be back to work in the spring, in the summer, in the fall? Is it going to take a year? I mean, nobody knows. And uh, you know, massive uncertainty right now, that's for sure. You know, one of the things that you talk about, Doug, is, um, you know, the massive uncertainty. I know that uh, there were um, um, unemployment numbers jumped rapidly in May, about 13.7%. Now, for people who are working, for example, in the restaurant industry, a lot of them obviously were laid off because of what was going on. They just started to get called back when uh, the uh, lockdowns and the um, things like that were lifted, and now we're back in it again. Again, if those people cannot find work when things get back to whatever normalcy uh, comes uh, our way, uh, I can't even imagine the effect that that is going to have on the economy going forward. Yeah, and you're right. And it's those people in the middle who have been most harmed by what's happened over the last you know, eight or nine months. So 
if you were working, you know, maybe it was a minimum wage job, $14 an hour, 35 hours a week. Okay, that grosses like $1,960 every four weeks. CERB was a pretty good replacement for that. If you were a higher income type person, perhaps you worked in an office, in an office tower, an office building, something like that, and you were able to be redeployed to home, didn't really affect your income that much. In fact, maybe it helped. You're not having to pay for parking and lunches out and daycare and things like that. It's the people in the middle. So you, you mentioned the restaurant industry, and that is absolutely one that has been hammered. Think about the person who maybe works as a chef, and maybe they were making you know two $3,000 a month. Uh, someone who's a server who you know brings in some good tips. Their hourly wa- wage isn't great, but they're, they're bringing in some tips. Maybe they were bringing in you know, $2,500, $3,000 a month. Well, you replace that with CERB at $2,000 a month, which is actually less when you factor in the taxes. They are the people who've really gotten hammered by this. And those are the people who need to be back to work to get the economy going. Now, We've had restaurants and pubs and bars for thousands of years. I don't think they're going to go away, but I do think it will take a while for it to get back to normal. How long is it going to be till all of us are going to feel comfortable sitting in a restaurant? So I, I think they've done a fantastic job of trying to reinvent themselves, but takeout and delivery is not the same as in-room dining. You don't need the same level of dishwashers and servers and uh, all the rest of it. So it's going to be a while for for those people to be back to work. And I know having talked to many of them, because they're phoning us all the time, they're all looking for, many of them are looking for other types of jobs in other industries, but there just aren't that many jobs there. So it's going to take a while before they're, they're all back to work. So Doug, now let's lead this into the next part of our conversation and you mentioned that you are getting phone calls talking to people what can people do to prepare themselves for what may be coming down the road we're talking about possible insolvencies Uh, people get really obviously skittish when they hear the word bankruptcy because it scares them what should people be doing to prepare themselves as we get out of 2020 and into 2021 especially with tax filing season coming just down the road Well, I think the number one thing everyone should do, and you can do this if you're 20 years old or 80 years old, is take stock of where you're at. And the end of the year, the start of the new year is a great time to do this. So make a list of everything you own. That's good. You know, if you've got your RSP, your RIF, your TFSA, whatever, you know, house. So that that shows you sort of the left-hand side of the balance sheet. But then you also want to make a list of all the money that you owe. And this is where we started the conversation. A lot of people aren't really aware of exactly what is owed where. So write it down. Every credit card, how much is owed? What's the monthly payment? What's the interest rate? You know, every loan you've got, mortgages, car loans, whatever, so that you can see in on one piece of paper the entire picture. And then the next question is, okay, well, am I able to service this on my own? And if the answer is, well, I can't right now because I'm not working, but if I'm back to work in the next two or three months, okay, then you talk to the people you owe money to, see if you can you know, work out a deferral arrangement, pay what you can, try to live to fight another day. But if you look at it and you go, yeah, there's no way when I'm back to work, even when I am back to work, I'm going to be able to service this. And then you mentioned taxes. Yeah, I'm looking ahead to tax season and maybe there's going to be a big obligation there as well. 
then it's probably time to reach out and figure out, okay, what do I need to do to deal with these debts? And, and that's what we do as you know, licensed insolvency trustees at Hoyes Michaelis is we work through plans for people to deal with their debts. And uh, I suspect we'll be doing a lot of that uh, in 2021. Doug, the word bankruptcy, as I mentioned, uh, has scared a lot of people. It's not quite as, as traumatic as it is. It's not quite the big uh, end of things for people as they think it is. So kind of talk uh, quickly what people would do if they have to uh, maybe change all their finances, declare bankruptcy and start from square one again. Yeah, the, there are some obligations, there are some costs to it, but it eliminates all your debt. That's the whole point. So the question you got to ask yourself is, would I be better off maybe having a bit of a hit on my credit score, but eliminating all my debt? It's a fresh start, and that's why people uh, choose that as an option. And in Canada and in Ontario today, we file a lot more consumer proposals than bankruptcies, which is a deal we work out with the people you owe money to. That's a lot more palatable for a lot of people. I feel better working out a deal. So that's what we do in a lot of cases. And uh, it's it's a, a great fresh start for a lot of people. You know, Doug, uh, as we mentioned, uh, and you talk about uh, people that are working uh, remotely, working from home, and will continue to do this down the road. I've already talked to people who are amazed because, again, sometimes you spend money, you don't even realize you're spending it. Things like, oh, I don't know, going out for lunch, go mm-hmm. getting a coffee, uh, you know, gas parking. Uh, People are saving money that way. Maybe they should be using that to maybe throw toward their debt? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, either throw it towards your debt or throw it towards your savings. The question is, is it enough? And so for some people, yeah, this is fantastic. If I've reduced my expenses, I can live cheaper than great. I got more money to be servicing my debt. Start by throwing it at the highest interest rate ones, get those credit cards paid off first. That's fantastic. If you got extra to put in savings, even better. Uh, the, the issue becomes if even with all those savings, it's still not enough. If you're one of the people who's been laid off, well, obviously there's probably not a whole lot of savings. So not only take a look at what you've got and what you, you know, what you own and what you owe, but also take a look at what your monthly budget looks like to see if there is excess cash available to service the debts. If there is, great. If not, then you've got to reach out to a professional to, to help you work through it. Doug Hoyes, licensed insolvency trustee and the co-founder of Hoyes, Michaelis and Associates. Thank you very much for the time, and and hopefully people, when they sit down and look at their finances in the upcoming year, can start making the the, the changes that they have to make in order to maybe uh, get some of that uh, financial stress out of their lives. Thanks very much, Doug. Much appreciated. Thanks, Ted. Good to be with you. And there you have it, uh, some financial advice from uh, Doug Hoyes. Um, Again, when you sit down and you just look at what you spend on things like coffee, right? You go out and you spend coffee. I'm not saying, you know, you don't have to get a coffee, but it adds up. It adds up. And other things like parking for work. A lot of people, as we say, are working remotely. Now you don't have to do that. So it's just kind of sitting down and just being disciplined and uh, trying to figure out exactly what it is that you want to do in uh, 2021. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. You know, it was people of a certain vintage like myself. When I play this, you will probably remember this campaign. 
These men are about evenly matched. That's because the average 30-year-old Canadian is in about the same physical shape as the average 60-year-old Swede. Run, walk, cycle. Let's get Canada moving again. Well, from that came this. Body Break with Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod. And joining us to talk about staying fit during the isolation and just kind of catching up on old times. The aforementioned Hal Johnson joins us here on CHML. Mr. Johnson, how are you, sir? <laughs> Good, Ted. How you doing? I'm doing well. First things first, you know, that uh, original participation jingle was 1973, and I remember because I was... Uh, still a teen approaching my 20s. What this tells me, Hal, is I feel really old when I hear that participation jingle. <laughs> well, I was in, uh, <laughs> I was in high school. I was just starting high school at the time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. Uh, and I remember hearing that, that, uh, that we were not as good in shape as the Swedes and and um, but yeah I, as a kid I was pretty active so I it didn't I didn't didn't hit me that's for sure how one of the things that uh, I find fascinating in the story of uh, body break with you and Joanne was um, it, and it's been documented in a story uh, you ha- had asked Joanne basically do you have two thousand dollars because you wanted to finance the pilot of body break back then that was a lot of money to ask somebody for to pilot something that may not work well absolutely and we had no experience and really no understanding of the business and really didn't know what we were doing but other than that we had a good idea so uh, we uh, I explained the idea to her and she and we had been kind of noodling something like this along and I I came out with the with the um, with that idea on June eighth of nineteen eighty eight, and and said to her, "This is the storyboard. This is what I've figured out. What do you think?" And she said, uh, "Yeah, let's let's do it." So we both put our money together, and um, within three months from that period of time, we then had a contract with Participation through a, you know a lot of ups and downs and. Uh, hard work and and a lot of luck. We uh, we persevered and got through it. You uh, that's uh, quite the uh, the leap of faith. What was it inside? There must have been something held that drove you inside to say yes. This is a gamble, but I think it can work. I you know it's funny. I've done that all my life, and I've really I I really feel that people have to commit to something and don't be afraid of failure. I've never been afraid to fail um, because when you fail, you don't have regrets. You don't regret. Oh, I should have done that. And I, to me, that is the biggest regret. And so I, I try to do everything that I think that, ah, this is a, and I've come up with a lot of bad ideas um, <laughs> over the years, a lot of things that didn't work. And Joanne, you know, kind of tempers me, said, nah, maybe we shouldn't go down that route. But, but if you throw enough stuff at the wall, something will stick. But I really felt, I said to her on June 8th of 1988, I said, I have this idea that's going to change your life. And she, you know, looked at me and said, "Oh, really?" Yeah, and she she believed, and I think that's really important. You know, she believed in the idea. She believed in in us, uh, you know, doing this, and uh, and she was totally committed. So I think that's what you have to do if you come up with something, an idea. Don't be afraid to fail and and commit yourself to it. Uh, where so many people will tell you you can't do something, they're telling you that because they can't do it. They couldn't imagine themselves doing it, and they often put that onus on you. So. I, ha- I have a tendency to not listen to people, and uh, um, and I, I I kind of I tell kids that, you know, especially today who want to be entrepreneurs or or venture out on their own, is that you know listen to yourself and listen to your gut and and find people around you that are going to be supportive, 
And those are the people, that, and I did that. I just unknowingly did that. I, my dad is just so positive, and so when it when it rains outside, my dad looks out and goes, "Hey, this is good for the grass." Um, so that's his, his. Uh, that's the way he is, and so I went. I always would go to my dad and talk to him and. He had no idea what I was doing, but I know he'd be supportive. You know, one of the things, and you nailed this, Hal, because there's, I always get these ideas when I go for a run. It's the endorphins, and it's almost like the yin and yang, Hal, the left shoulder, right shoulder. Left shoulder, I got a great idea. Right shoulder's a stupid idea. Left shoulder said, no, no, you should listen to this. Right shoulder says, no, you're an idiot. Sit down. I've learned, Hal, as I get older, to listen to what that gut feeling says, because most of the times the gut isn't wrong. Right, and what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, I mean, really, realistically, for us, from a gamble perspective, what was the worst thing that could happen? Well, we could we could fail, quote unquote, and not not succeed, but we would have learned something through the process. So that's one of the things I do think about is that you know, through every every failure, you learn and grow. So it's not really a failure, and that's where I you know I talk to young people about that is that you really got to um, give it your best shot and don't get caught up with in the negativity, especially. Uh, today, there's so much negativity around, and, and as I said, find positive people and, and, and do positive things. Hal, before we get into some of the fitness tips, one of the uh, stories that came out this past year, and this has been a, let's face it, Hal, this has been a horrendous year for a whole lot of things, the pandemic aside, and we've heard a lot about the issues of racism in this country and especially in the States, and you've gone public, and I commend you for this, that you went public with your story, but you said in many ways you created body break to fight racism share that story with us yeah uh, when when i came up with the idea on june 8th of 88 it was because the uh um essentially the where i was doing a commercial shoot and uh, just for fun i was doing a commercial and at woodbine racetrack and they told me that um they didn't want me to stand next to this the blonde girl there because the client thought we might be together and and so at that it was kind of this this thing that hit me like a lightning bolt. Joanne and I had talked about doing something and whatever in in health and fitness, and I thought, you know, you know, let's see if we can change the way uh, people perceive, and let's ch- change the way the kids look at uh, interracial couples. And because when I was ten years old, um, I rem- um, I got a, a golf club as a kid, and I went to Northview Heights at Bathurst and Finch across the street, and I would hit that golf balls back and forth. And I started to love golf. And so that year I watched the masters and I noticed that there was no black ca- players, all black caddies. So I said to my dad, am I allowed to play golf or uh, can I just be a caddy? And he said, why? I said, well, that's what I see on TV. And so it, at, the, at that point on June 8th of 1988, I thought back to my, to being that 10 year old kid who didn't see myself on television and so I thought, why don't we create something so that kids can see themselves, that we can be reflections of a, a very diverse country. And so it, it all culminated together. Uh, the Toronto Star wrote about it and said that we were kind of like a Trojan horse. And and I thought about that. I thought, well, I never thought in that respect. But I said, yeah, I guess we were. We we never talked about it. We never, we simply showed it. And every Body Break episode, and I encourage people to go to our YouTube channel and take a look at uh, a lot of our Body Break episodes. We've, we were putting up a new one every week, is that um, of our old episodes that we did, and we did over 300 of them, is that almost every episode we have diversity in it whether it be a person with disability or a person of a different race. Um, and it's just, it's not by accident. Those things are, uh, were, were 
are always very important. And it's really important, I believe, to advocate for someone else. So advocate as a male, advocate for females. As a person who doesn't have a disability, advocate for those who who have disabilities. And, and so it was very important to put persons with disabilities in our show. Um, and just my presence of being a person of color uh, was there. But we also had other, you know, uh, Asian uh, people in the show and Aboriginal people in the show. And, and it wasn't about their ethnicity. It was just that they're people that we can all live, work, and play together. Our guest is Hal Johnson, the co-founder of Body Break. Uh, now, Hal, let's talk about staying fit in isolation because a lot of people um, why, wanted to go to the gym. And I'll be honest, uh, the gym I joined, I went uh, both a couple of times after they reopened several months ago. I didn't feel comfortable for whatever reason and basically canceled, and they understood. So for people that can't go to the gym now, especially in southern Ontario here where everything is basically in lockdown, how about some uh, tips and advice, Hal, on what people can do to stay active and reasonably fit during these times now where everybody's in lockdown? Well, you know, it's funny because you, you think of it as from a, a negative perspective, and I try to look at things as there's always an opportunity, an opportunity to discover uh, new things, uh, new activities. Um, I was in a, a bike store uh, the other day, and they, they've sold out of all their bikes. They've, they, don't, they can't get enough bikes because people are discovering cycling again. So I don't discover an activity that maybe you did as a kid. Um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, in, in southern Ontario, we don't get that much snow. So getting out there nowadays with snowshoes, but when the snow hits, get out in snowshoe. I, I actually did that uh, last week. Um, but, you know, find a different activity that or a new activity. But also you look at the new things that have come out from a techno- technological perspective. You know, Apple TV, the fitness and fitness apps that uh, Apple Fitness um, that's going on right now and, uh, it, it's just terrific. So f- f- use technology. Use things that you didn't use before to, uh, as, as opposed to the tried and true, here's what I did. It really is about what I, would, what I say is that the pandemic can help you create better and new habits. And so it's all about trying to create those new habits. And when we're able to go back to the gym, when we're able to go back to normal, what I would like is people to remember um, that that day that they said, ah, I'm not going to go to the gym. Well, now, they it, remember when you couldn't go to the gym. And, and that's the thing that, that I, I think about is that people have taken things for granted. Now you won't take it for granted anymore, hopefully, once, uh, once it's back to normal. Well, Hal, I can tell you, as, as a runner and a guy who uh, I've been running for over 40 years, and I've seen the videos of me, Hal, it's ugly. I used to think that I ran like a gazelle. I run like a hippo. But that being said, <laughs> that being said, I kind of one of those odd ducks that likes to go outside for a run uh, in the wintertime. If it's if it's what we call a red flag day and it's minus 30 wind chill, I'm not going to go, obviously, or if, if there's, you know, 15 centimeters of snow. But there's something, Hal, about our sport running. Just It just goes outside. You get the vitamin D, if you can, on a sunny day. And just breathing in the fresh air and getting your cheeks, you know, wind burn. There's something basic about running or even walking outside that I think people, maybe a lot more people should be doing that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a runner myself. I'm uh, just uh, I'm too big and and clumsy, and <laughs> I'm not I'm not a runner. Um, and uh, you know, talk about a hippo run, that's <laughs> me. Uh, but uh, but I love I abs and it's too much too much damage on my on my knees. Right. And so, but for me, I love hiking. And so, 
Um, and, and so, you know, for people, it's certainly in the Hamilton area. I've done it many times, the Bruce Trail through, yep. uh, through Hamilton, which is just magnificent. It is, it is, and it's in our backyard. And so, you know, go on along a hike on the Bruce Trail and you say, well, it's kind of, you know, there's snow on it. Get some snowshoes. If you think about it, if you really want to do it and hiking is, um, it's, it's easy on the body. It's, uh, it's a great way to get outdoors and, and boy, it, you talk about fitness. I, I went to Ireland uh, four years ago, and we hiked 150 kilometers through the mountains. Wow. And boy, and I, I used the Bruce Trail as my training ground. So I would hike the Bruce Trail, you know, every, you know, uh, two, three days a week. And I'd, you know, go 10 or 15 kilometers on the Bruce Trail just to, as a warm-up. And, and it was, uh, and Bruce Trail is fantastic. And, and, and Ireland was fantastic. But it was like, well, I was in really, really good condition because of just hiking, and I, I would, I'm a real advocate for to get out there, enjoy hiking, enjoy the outdoors, and, and especially you know in Southern Ontario, you know one of the things I, I was saying a friend of mine, uh, Lowell Taylor, who was on the Amazing Race, he's the blind, he was the blind racer right. on the Amazing Race, and, and Lowell and I become very good friends. Lowell's a clinical psychologist, and we're talking about being grateful, and I said to him, I said Lowell, I just saw a survey that Canada was the the most desirable city or most desirable country to live in in all the world. It's uh, one of the best places in the world to live. And I said, you know, we have to feel real grateful that where we live. You know, we live in a, a, a fantastic country. Um, we, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm Canadian, so I wouldn't say it's the best. I would just say it's a fantastic country. And it's a, uh, we have to feel grateful for that. And all the things that we have around us in terms of, um, you know, the outdoors and, and, uh, and so just feel grateful from a mental perspective because I know now people mentally are getting down, but if you feel grateful, it's hard to get down. Uh, so gratitude is so, so important. Hal, uh, last point for you, and uh, you know, we talk about, uh, and I've shared my age, I'm 66, and I'm still active, but I find, Hal, that as I get older, what I could eat in the past, I can't. The metabolism, Hal, is changing. It's not quite the way it used to be. It's really annoying, but I'm wondering <laughs> from your standpoint, because I know that uh, you're a couple of years behind me when it comes to age. What about you? Do you still have the sweet tooth? Do you have the, the battles with, no, maybe I shouldn't have this because of the effect it's going to have on my body, especially over the holiday season? Well, Ted, I'm much younger than you. I'm 64. I don't even know what it's going to be like when, you're, when, it's, when I'm your age. Touché. But, but it's, uh, uh, I can tell you, honestly, uh, every day it's a battle for me. Every single day. And, and it's like, do, did I deserve like um, this one particular bakery uh, yep. bakes cherry pies, and we bought a cherry pie oh. for over the holidays, and it is a magnificent. But I savored every morsel of it. But I also worked out. But one, one, I, I've got a sweet tooth. But I, and I, I look at that. But one of the things is that is uh, I'm getting ready for a knee replacement, and so what I'm doing is I'm really upping my protein uh, because they're going to be cutting muscle tissue, and I'm actually going to video it. Uh, the surgeon uh, at Oakville, Trafalgar, is going to actually video it, and we're going to put it up on, on our YouTube channel. Wow. Uh, and I'm going through, right now, I'm videoing all of my prehab, all the things that I'm doing uh, physically and nutritionally and vitamin-wise to get ready for the operation that's in three weeks. So, uh, And then I'm going to follow the way I do it. But one of the things, as you get older, 
or having a, a injury is for your muscles and is that to eat and, and eat a lot of protein and a lot basically is um, is for every kilogram you should have a gram of uh, of your weight you should have a uh, a gram of um, of protein and so for my weight and because I'm going to be going in for this and if you work out I'm going to be eating about a, a hundred and 180 grams of protein uh, for for my weight on a on a daily basis. Now, which now is a lot. Now I'm I'm curious, Hal. Just before we wrap up, when you're talking protein, the first thing I think of is things like chicken. Are we talking that? Are we talking a lot more extensive? Well, a lot more extensive, but it it gets you know how you bring the protein in, regardless if it's on a on a on a cow or a chicken or a smoothie. It really doesn't matter. Uh, so I I get it from a. Uh, uh, protein powders, uh, a lot of it, and uh, then I'll have some chicken. But I, you have to think about what you're you're eating each and every day and how you're fueling your body. And I'm a huge proponent of vitamin D um, that people should be, you know, having at least you know 2,000 mL a day of of uh, vitamin D, and, and it does so many things. And they're seeing the relationship between vitamin D and those who are in the ICU with COVID. Um, there's there is there is becoming a relationship between the um, the severity of things and uh, vitamin and vitamin D that they're showing in lots of studies and I've, I've studied a lot about it and it was like wow it's uh, it's pretty important so I would say have your vitamin D and eat your protein and have your piece of cherry pie a special occasion. Hal, uh, you know, now I'm thinking we, uh, after the surgery, we got to get you back on the air to talk about how it went and uh, what you're going through post-recovery because knee surgery is something that a lot of people are going through. So I'm I'm, I'm going to slot you down for some point in a couple of months. We'll have you back and, and talk about how the surgery went. Well, my, my, my goal is to uh, uh, is to be on the East Coast Trail, do the East Coast Trail in, uh, in Newfoundland in September. So after I've got my COVID shot, we're getting on a plane, and I'm going to hike the East Coast Trail a little over 200 kilometers. So uh, i got to get that knee ready to go. Perfect. Hal Johnson, can't thank you enough. Have yourself uh, a great uh, 2021. Stay healthy. Much appreciated, and a great talking to you. My pleasure, uh, Ted. And until next time, keep fit and have fun. All right. There's Hal Johnson from uh, Body Break. What a fascinating look at uh, somebody's life, and uh, what, uh, what a great individual. And... I feel somewhat humbled, knock on wood, that he's having knee surgery, and I'm not yet. So there's, you know, there's still hope. I mean, I'm sure down the road I probably will. But uh, what an absolutely fascinating story and a, and a great individual and uh, somebody who a lot of Canadians, of course, are. Uh, they all know who he and uh, Joanne are. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, this winter can have a negative impact on our mood as the pandemic rages on and lockdowns and isolation wear us down. And uh, the mental health uh, has been affected. And I would venture to say probably will continue to be affected uh, going uh, forward. And joining us to talk about this is the clinical psychologist for CAMH, Dr. Uh, uh, Caddy Kamkar joins us. First to Dr. Kamakar, thank you very much for joining us. And right off the top, uh, is it uh, a fair statement to say that even when we get through this pandemic, that people's mental health may still uh, be not what it should be down the road? Yes, and thank you so much, as always, for for having me. I believe that's um, 
That, that is fair to a certain extent. We have certainly noted that the mental health needs of Canadians have been on the rise, certainly whenever we have seen the surveys, and uh, definitely the ongoing surveys that uh, CAMH has launched along with um, partnering with Delvinia. We have seen more reports in terms of depressed mood, anxiety, increase in substance use, and also in terms of uh, isolation and, and feeling of loneliness. And of course, variety of uh, worries in terms of employment, um, uh, Finances, which are all very understandable, and we had we have had to create what we call this new normal, new routine and structures throughout. As we have gone throughout the variety of stages, and given the fluidity and the uncertainty, and of course the current lockdown, and I think that it is very helpful whenever we look at the data to always focus on what are the resources and the needs, and uh, in terms of the mental health uh, prevention and promotion and intervention, and given the ongoing fluidity and so much of the changes going on. Yes, I think that to a certain extent, but at the same time, that is the reason why we do need to engage in those ongoing surveys to know what are the needs and um, to really regroup all the resources and everything. But at the same time, I think that we really want to acknowledge a lot of the strengths, a lot of the resilience is certainly that we have been able to notice. Certainly, we have seen people also reporting that a lot of helpful strategies that they have found are being connected socially with friends or family online or over the phone. Um, they have been able to make time to relax. They have been able to follow a routine. So a lot of those coping strategies that we have seen within the current survey that was done um, by CAMH um, partnership with Delvinia. Uh, Dr. Kamkar, um, I've, I've gone public. Uh, I, I've stated uh, several times uh, on the Health and Wellness Show that uh, every so often I get in a really miserable mood and i realize it's because i can't control the situation because of the pandemic is it fair dr Kamkar, to say that most of us go through these days where we're just so incredibly blah because we can't control this you know, I love the way you phrased it, right? Because, of course, we all go through our mood fluctuations, right? Like, um, it could be changes in our sleep, our concentration, or sometimes we just get up and we feel that, oh, you know, I just, it's so difficult for me to engage in my daily activities. Absolutely. And, of course, with the reduced daylight and sunlight, not to even mention, you know, the lockdown and concern about the virus and, um, you know, not being able to, again, you know, engage in our previous routines and social activities and everything. Absolutely. And I think it's very normal for us to not only identify our thoughts and emotions, but also to see our reactions as being very normal reactions. Now, we want to separate this with, let's say, chronic low mood. Um, it's like everyday difficulty initiating in an activity or every day, more days than not, uh, for at least two weeks struggling with it could be low mood, uh, sleep changes, appetite changes, difficulty keeping up with our daily routines and responsibilities. In that case, in addition to, of course, always self-care and uh, in, uh, always seeking for quality social support, it's also um, beneficial to talk with um, a professional as well, if and when needed and indicated. Doctor, one of the things that we hear generally in January and February when we're in the midst of winter is a seasonal affective disorder or SAD. Um, we shine a light on it every year, but this year, especially going into the new part of the year, because the pandemic is still not over, uh, how prevalent do you think that will be in our lives going forward? I think that, again, this is a fair question. I think that, obviously, we need definitely more data 
um, to really uh, to to know better in terms of the estimate and prevalence. But I think that here, yes, with the reduced daylight and sunlight, people do note in terms of the um, sometimes the uh, reduced energy, increased need for sleep, maybe cravings for carbohydrate. It could sometimes be increasing appetite. These are kind of normal fluctuations that we can go through. Not to again mention, you know, the lockdown and everything. But I think that here uh, we're talking about that if it becomes very chronic, if it becomes very impairing, that means the symptoms create increase over time, they create more distress over time, they impair significantly with our functioning. This in that case here, if we feel that, okay, it might increase maybe here more at the clinical threshold, it's very important to seek professional help. But but otherwise here, as we do know, um, using technology to our benefit, so it could be virtual online groups, people have joined in, it could be cooking, it could be yoga or meditation, definitely creeping up with our social activities virtually with family, friends, and loved ones. Um, we also know exercise has always been found very helpful, exercise at home, but and also in a natural environment, so provided the weather, obviously physical distancing. Um, it could sometimes be even 15, 20 minutes um, walk a day um, outside. And in keeping up with a meaningful activity, anything that we are able to set as a meaningful activity, and going back to what you mentioned, really putting our time and energy into what we have control over. Uh, yes, you're right. We often have this feeling that I want to change the very things I don't have control over, but it's really around focusing our time and energy into what we have control over and taking maybe one worry at a time because we cannot start with a what and what if question. And of course, with all the anxiety and the uncertainty, the, the what if question can quickly escalate into turning to catastrophic theme. So really taking it one day at a time, one week at a time, and really practicing also self-compassion, which is a self-kindness. Um, uh, the, the catching any negative thoughts about ourselves, praising ourselves for any activity that we do, uh, creating a to-do list, and really, really keeping up with that, again, as I mentioned, the, the, the self-kindness, and especially during this difficult time. Dr. Kamkar, you actually uh, nailed a point that uh, just uh, came across my mind when you talked about uh, SAD and, and how people eat uh, more carbs and, and getting into a physiological thing. Would eating more carbs mean uh, more weight gain? Ergo, that would mean uh, people are suffering from uh, SAD or feeling uh, not the best because of that? It's it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yes, and we do know certainly we, we have, uh, you know, so much um, uh, great studies and research. Of course, we know that um, in terms of exercise um, has a direct impact on our mood and our health. Um, healthy, balanced diet has a direct impact on our mood and our health. So these are all interconnected. Um, appetite and sleep, our activities, um, social activities, um, um, any evaluation, thoughts that we have about ourselves. So even though we might all say that these are, or, you know, worries or anxiety, even though we might all say these are uh, symptoms of, let's say, of depression or even anxiety, each on their own, they can become a problem. And then also all of them, of course, are interconnected as well, definitely. Dr. Kamkar, I understand that there is also a spring and summer SAD, and, and people would think to themselves, why would anybody suffer from seasonal affective disorder SAD in the summertime when, when there's a lot of sunlight and a lot of fresh air? Uh, talk about that one, because that's something I think people uh, maybe aren't aware of. Yes, and thank you for mentioning that. Clearly, again, we need uh, more understanding 
um, around that. But there is also something that it's really around, as you mentioned, more so around the weather becoming nicer. And it could be for a variety of reasons. Um, sometimes we know concerns about maybe anxiety or difficulty um, engaging in outdoor activities. So it is when we feel everyone is outside and we have difficulty for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it can also be concerns about appearance or self-image, concerns sometimes it could be about finances, but a variety of reasons why it could be also difficult to engage in the outdoor activities, in summer hot activities. Um, so really struggling around that sometimes there are more social events in summer and for a variety of reasons we have difficulty engaging in those events. So it, it, it can um, drastically impact our, our mood. Doctor, uh, people at the start of the year always make uh, the New Year's resolutions, and we've heard them where they, you know, January 1st, I'm going to start exercising and start getting in shape and eating healthier, and then after a couple of weeks, it all kind of uh, falls by the wayside. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you may not be a proponent of that per se. Is that kind of a, a fair statement that New Year's resolutions maybe should be called something else? You know, for the New Year's resolution, I always say, I mean, my, my thing is always around, well, we, whenever we have a plan, let's start it right now, or let's start whenever we are able to at least one step, one, anything I always say, any, any detail counts, anything above zero counts, as long as we know it's realistic. It's realistic. We can, we can take it one day at a time, one week at a time. And most importantly, it, it's about using flexibility. There will always be ups and downs. There will always be trial and error. So a lot of times is that, yes, we are able to set great goals, but we might feel that, oh, we might feel overwhelmed or we did not cut it into multiple graduate steps and then we feel discouraged and then here we want to withdraw and then abandon altogether. So that's why we want to make sure that if they're really um, cut down, we are able to break the goals and we are able to use flexibility and set realistic expectations. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Let me revise the goal. Let me revise my expectation. Maybe let me break down um, some of the further steps. Maybe some of the steps were um, too hard at this time. Maybe other steps, oh, I can add more steps. Flexibility, our psychological flexibility, very important. And along with that, the self-kindness and always praising ourselves. Anything above zero counts. Dr. Kamkar, before we wrap up, let's talk about uh, from from a clinical standpoint and uh, what you and the folks that do a lot of work at CAMH, uh, because, of course, it deals with uh, mental health and, and addiction and what have you. Um, what has the pandemic taught all of us or what should the pandemic have taught us over the last 10 months? Well, we have certainly noted here the tremendous resiliency and strength that everyone has shown in that such a limited time, we have been able to, again, readjust our life um, entirely. Uh, we have certainly seen that in terms of work, or it could be work remotely, it could be setting new activities, definitely maximizing our use of technology, using the technology and so on. But what we have also seen and noted, and, and this was actually true before the pandemic in terms of providing virtual therapy, virtual treatment, um, but most people might not have um, definite, have full, full knowledge of that. But here with the pandemic, a lot of the uh, treatment and therapy that have uh, gone virtual, more people have gained knowledge in terms of that. And we have seen, I think, cannot remember the exact number, but we're talking about 
thousands of percentage in terms of the dramatic increase in terms of uh, virtual therapy platforms, so telemedicine. And yes, then we are able to maximize resources and care, um, lack of, you know, there is no concern about necessarily the location. It could be within the province or, or, or commute or uh, any of those. And so it's really around encouraging anyone um, if there is any struggle for any mental health promotion, prevention, early intervention. Uh, we do have, as we always had access in terms of treatment resources, but definitely uh, the virtual platform. Uh, doctor, in the last bit of advice, uh, kind of go, go through some of the physical and mental symptoms if people may be undergoing uh, something like SAD or maybe some of their uh, family members or spouses or partners have noticed that there's something not quite right with this individual. Talk about some of the physical and mental signs that people should be on the lookout for. Yes, and you know, like you said, that the mental physical signs, because there's always a mind-body connection, right, and the health is health, whether we're talking about mental health or physical health. And as you noted, sometimes, sometimes it is really the others that are noticing for us. Certainly, if we feel that there is depressed mood, more days than not, or a lot of anxiety, we have difficulty managing the anxiety or controlling the anxiety, or we're noticing an increasing feelings of anger or irritability, and we have difficulty managing, regulating our emotions, there is reduced interest in our activities more days than not um, drastic appetite changes sleep changes uh, we want to initiate activities but we struggle doing so there's persistent low motivation or it could be suicidal ideation um, so variety of those again more days than not it's, it's, it will become very very helpful uh, to seek professional help and the good news is that uh, there are great treatments there are effective treatments um, available so it, it's really for everyone to know it, it's you're not alone, and that is also why we're talking about this, because um, obviously if, if, if this is something that is impacting all of us. No one is alone. No one should suffer alone. We are all in this together. Great way to wrap up. Dr. Akadi Kamkar, a clinical psychologist for CAMH, thank you very much for the update, and, and hopefully things will be a little calmer for us in 2021, because 2020 certainly uh, tested a lot of our patients. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it, uh, the update on uh, what people should be looking for, possibly when it comes to SAD and how, how to get through the holidays. And it's nice that um, Dr. Kampkar, and I've heard a few people saying to me, you know, wow, that, that was great what you said about feeling rotten and miserable. And, you know, we all go through it. And I guess I just have the platform to say that, you know, I'm like everybody else. I got, I got through days where here it comes for the CHML newsroom. I'm more miserable than other days. How's that? But uh, yeah, we're all going through it, and we'll all go th get through this together. Let's push 2020 out of the door and hopefully work on 2021 and get things back to whatever sense of normalcy uh, the new normal will be. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. 
Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.